What's going on, everybody? This is AJ, your host of the Blue to Green podcast. I'm having video issues, so I can't, you know, you usually see my, you know, my bright and shining face at the very beginning of these where I give my little spiel about what's going on on this episode. But anyways, you'll just have to see my logo. On this episode, I sit down with Ashley Loesch. Ashley is a division chief for the Arizona Fire and Medical Authority here in the state of Arizona, which is, for lack of a better term here, it's a fire department, but it's a very large, it covers a very large land mass area and in multiple different areas. And she is a division chief there. Ashley spent over 20 years as a Glendale firefighter and then retired as a fire captain and was recruited to go over to AFMA. She also runs her very own uh, social media consulting firm called Blue Helmet Media, B-L-U, no E. And I'll put all of her contact information in the notes as I usually do. We sit down on this episode and we talk about everything firefighter and the, the uh, mental health aspects, what it takes to become a, fire, a firefighter currently here in the state of Arizona, what's going on, forever chemicals, and that's a new term that I had never heard before this episode. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and you learn something and get a little bit of an understanding about what it takes to be a firefighter and the mental health aspect of it and seeing trauma day after day after day. I started the recording. I just kind of got right into it. I just, I picked up a lot of good audio before we actually like sat down and started talking into the mic. So I'm going to put all of that at the end of it. If you wanted to see a little, I don't know if you want to call it a behind the scenes or whatever, but thank you very much for taking the time to tune in. I appreciate it. And everybody have a good one. Sweet. So, Ashley. Yes. We're live. We're recording. We've been talking for a few minutes, and I captured all of that good stuff. Everything's recording and good to go. Um, thank you so much for coming down here. You Absolutely. have you have made the trek south of the border. <laughs> yes. If you far. could just introduce yourself and who you're sure. with and all that. My name is Ashley Losh. I am a division chief with Arizona Fire and Medical Authority, or AFMA for short, which is typically how we refer to ourselves. And AFMA is Arizona Fire and Medical Authority. Correct. So, and I just had a, I don't want to jump around too much, but what does that mean, authority? I've heard of department. I've heard of, you know, whatever district. So we are a fire district, but we are um, a conglomeration, if you will, of fire districts. We encompass five different areas, Sun City West, Whitman, Tonopah. Buckeye Valley and Sun Lakes. Okay. So we have um, Sun Lakes a, as in Chandler. Correct. That's a, yes. a very far separation. Yes. Okay. So it, it, we're very proud of the fact that we are in a lot of places and we provide service to a lot of places. And um, I think our delivery is excellent across the board. Buckeye Valley is actually just coming on board. Technically, July one will be their um, official start date, but we've already started to kind of merge and and move together. We're really excited about it. So are those departments just being abolished or whatever, just being absorbed by AFMA? So we don't like to, we don't like to say it that way, but um, it's, it's just a a bringing, coming together. It's a melting pot of departments. It's a melting pot of districts that we all come together and um, it's to provide the best service for, for all the districts and all the communities that are, that are within AFMA. So everything's the same. We all have the same training. Okay. We all have the same apparatus. We all, you know, it just creates more opportunity for some of the smaller districts. And um, an apparatus is a 
engine ladder battalion. fire truck oh okay <laughs> for the for the oh, non, yes. non-firefighters Sorry. fire I'm just truck engines ladders yes um so it's just it's a really great way to provide for more di- for more areas all together under a larger budget essentially and are you guys tax-based or are you subscriber-based we are tax-based okay okay so i'm going to give a disclaimer i'm brand new to the fire district world i've only been with afma for a handful of weeks i was in a municipality prior to okay. being with afma um so i'm learning so please be kind to me no with, worries. The, with the, <laughs> the specific questions i'm gonna do my best for the way that i understand no it. worries yeah. and like where i live down here i'm mm-hmm. in an un- if you're unfamiliar Unincorporated. Mm-hmm. Un- yeah so i have rural yes mm-hmm. so i have to subscribe to them every single year right so we are a county-based area so kind of like where rural is we're in some areas where rural might have been gotcha. or could have been yeah gotcha well when I found you, and also you're with Arizona Fire and Medical Authority, correct? But you also have your own business, which I do. is yes, Blue Helmet Noe, gotcha. Blue Helmet Media. I do some creative and consulting for social media and public information within the firefighter world. I, I work with a whole bunch of people. It's not just firefighting, okay. um, but I that's where my base knowledge is. But I, I work for some nonprofits and I do some work for friends that need just logos or um, any kind of creative consulting people that are starting new businesses and want to get a foothold in social media. Nice. I'll, I'll do some consulting for them. I teach classes on public information as well as social media, um, just kind of all things social. Gotcha. Yeah. And communication. But you're not, you said you're new to AFMA, but yes. you're not new to the firefighting world. Correct. So 22 plus years in the firefighting world. I got hired in December of 2000. So I have extensive knowledge of firefighting and, and the world in which we all live, but I am new to AFMA and I'm new to being a chief. Gotcha. Yeah. And which, again, uh, we should point out the fact that you are a division chief. Correct. You're, you're pretty high up the food chain. Oh gosh. It's weird to say that. <laughs> it's all very brand new. Um, you know, Going from a captain to a chief is a big is a big jump, and truth be told, chief level was never something that I aspired to do. But when the opportunity to go to AFMA came about, um, it was the level in which they wanted to bring me over, and I'm I'm so humbled and honored by the title. But also, it's it's weird for me. <laughs> Yeah. That and again, my understanding of the firefighter world mm-hmm. is that is a huge jump to yes. go from captain to. Mm-hmm. Ca- Stop me no, anywhere you're good. online. You're good. You're good. C- captains, in my understanding, are kind of like in the firehouse. Correct. They're with, they're with they the are. troops. Yes. They're with the firefighters yes. in the firehouse. Mm-hmm. And you're definitely many, many levels above that now. Not many, many. And we have chiefs that are in the firehouse as well. So okay. a battalion chief is the same level as I am. It's just a division chief is someone who's in the office, like uh, on a 40 hour work week, working in an office setting. Gotcha. And a battalion chief works in the field. So they live in the firehouse with with the firefighters as well um, and in fire stations and and work on scenes and they'll be command officers on on a scene. kind of to break it down a a captain will be your initial incident commander on on whatever scene it is that you might be on so let's say you get to a house fire whoever that first unit on scene is the captain on that unit whether it be an engine or a ladder they're going to take command eventually a battalion chief is going to come on scene and and take over command a deputy i'm going to get real in the weeds here a deputy is one step above them they also could be in the field and take command so they're actually a step above me i'm not that far removed from captain i'm just one step up but um 
it's a different world in the sense that when you're on a, a captain on an engine or on a ladder, you're with your crew and, and you work your shifts, whether it's 24s or 48s or one on, one off, whatever. Um, you're you're in that firehouse and you're really ingrained with, with your with your troops. Right. Understood. And a, a chief can be much more removed. It's it's seen as management. You you stop being a part of the union in the sense that you might we still pay dues. Perhaps, there's a separation. But there's a though. separation. There's yeah. a separation between labor and management. Yes. hundred percent. And yeah. I think there should be. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just a, it wasn't a career path gotcha. I ever anticipated. I once I reached captain, I was like, I'm this is great. This is where <laughs> I want to be. This is what I want to do. Um, but you don't pass up opportunities. Right. Can you say what your previous department was just for? Sure. I worked in Glendale. I was a Glendale firefighter okay. and I was the public information officer for almost six years there okay. before I left. So let's talk about the process of current today's standards of what does it take to become a firefighter? Okay. Current standards are you have to get your EMT and you're going to have to pass a CPAT, which is a physical agility. And then depending on the department, you are going to take some form of a written exam. You're going to do at least one interview, if not two, and then have those other qualifications, 18, high school diploma, okay. those sorts of things. And then the EMT you have to get on your own. Yes. So there's rumors that some departments are going to start putting people through EMT school. Interesting. I don't know that that's true. Gotcha. It's uh, recently someone who's testing, whose child was testing said, uh, oh, you don't have to do your EMT anymore. And I was like, oh, I haven't heard that. But, um, you know, I, I guess that would be a selling point because recruitment's becoming a, a challenge for fire departments for the first time. Wow. So to create an opportunity for people like, hey, you don't even need to do that. We'll We'll train you. I think that's it's a smart tactic, actually. I, I will say this, that when I was a uh, young buck and I was I worked at Mesa Community College mm -hmm. and Mesa Community College had their their fire yeah, program and all fire that science, stuff. Yep. And they were again, this is back in the mid 90s. Um, I had just kind of looked into what does it take to become a firefighter. Right. And at that young of an age, I was like, oh, I got to go get my CPR by myself. <laughs> I got to get my EMT yeah. for myself. And so for someone, I, th I think it's better for those who have that perseverance and fortitude that want to do it mm -hmm. to go and prove yourself. The fact that you're going to yes. get, you, I want to get my EMT on my yep. own. I want to get my CPR certification right. on my own, as opposed to the man, I'll just show up and see what happens. Well, and really it, they're not that hard. If that's your stumbling block, then probably the fire service isn't for you. Cause you're going to, you're going to have so much more that you're going to have to persevere over and so much more self-starting that you're going to have to do throughout your career. If, if that's the stumbling block just to get started, <laughs> Yeah, maybe look elsewhere. Agreed. Yeah. That's very shocking and surprising here, though, that you just said that recruiting is becoming an, an issue it because is. every, if, let's get it out of the way. <laughs> every cop Everybody, wants to be a fireman. Every cop wants to be a firefighter <laughs> and every firefighter wants to be a cop. Nope. No, not at all. No, nope. not at all. Nope. nope. <laughs> but everybody wants to be a hose dragger. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. um, you, I can't fault them for that. It's it's the best job in the world. Honestly, being a firefighter is the best job in the world. It's the best job and I'm also, I'm totally stupid because, and I'm stupid <laughs> at my, and mad at myself because my dad, who did 32 years in law enforcement right. with the same agency I was with, told me, why are you becoming a yeah. cop? Like, go become a firefighter. But I had no friends that were in the fire service, yeah. nor did I have any family. So I didn't really understand. Yeah, me neither. But I will say this, though, that give me a bad guy with a gun over a burning house any day. No, thank you. <laughs> pass, hard pass. Mm -mm. And I, I'm like you, I didn't have any family. I didn't have any prior knowledge of the fire service at all. It just was where I was supposed to be. Gotcha. Yeah. 
I understand that. <laughs> it's it's a calling. It is. It's public service and it's a calling. Yeah. And I don't know that I understood that at whatever, 21, 22 when I started testing, but I certainly do now. Are you are you native to Arizona? No, I grew up in California, Santa Monica, California. All right. You've been here for over a few years, so it's a pass. I've been here since 95. <laughs> it's a pass. I've been here longer than I was there, <laughs> okay. so yeah. All right, we won't we won't do the whole don't California my Arizona. That's fine. <laughs> I went to ASU that that brought me here, and then that's another tick yeah. down because I went to NAU. Oh well, it's not the silly one down south, so right? you get a pass. That's another country. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So what's being done at the moment regarding recruiting? Um, yeah. How do you how do you bridge that gap? Well, for me personally, I, I keep talking about social media. If you, if you want to look at statistics and you want to look at age groups and you want to look at where you can get the most reach, um, social media is where it's at. And um, selfishly, that's the realm, of course, in which I work. Right. But um, when I look at the stats and, and I've been privy to them for the last six years running a social media uh, for a fire department, I, I'm able to see, well, who's looking at our at our stuff? Who's engaging with it? Why do they like it? Right. Where are we making the impact? If you look at TikTok over, you know, the pandemic, two years from 2020 to 2022, that grew 120% right. in viewership. And it in 21, 44% of that was 18 to 34 year olds. Well, that's your recruiting demographic right there. That's so, your market. Uh, a lot of fire departments aren't engaging or weren't engaging in TikTok. And now with all this turmoil, I think even less are. That just opens the opportunity for more departments that are engaging there right. to have a bigger reach. And um, Instagram, similarly, I mean, Instagram, that your age group's fairly similar, slightly older, but, but still, that's your recruiting demographic. So if you're not utilizing sh social media for recruitment and getting your message out, you're really missing the boat. Because yeah. Where are those people? I mean, they're not reading the newspaper. We're all staring at our phones. All day. So how do I show them that my department's better than that department or why they belong? Maybe not even better, but just different. And why should they come to me instead of going there? When there's 300 people taking a test, we want the top 10 right. out of those. But so does everybody else. Right. So how do you stand out? How do you win their hearts and minds when testing time comes around? Have you done that before testing time? Right? What have you done? If you haven't got if you haven't gotten their attention and they don't know what they're walking into, they're not going to want to they're not going to want to show up. Absolutely not, cuz it's easier to go to the one down the street or right. the one that's shinier or the one that their cousin works for or, right. or whatever. So, to me, I think that's a big thing. I also think providing opportunities for them to really have insight into what your department offers and who you are and whether that's recruiting events or going to high schools or colleges or whatever, whatever the technique is, but uh, the biggest reach, the biggest bang for your buck, that's going to be social media. And again, you only have to be 18. Correct. And then again, with the other, with the other things, yes. you don't have to be 21 like law enforcement was. No, gotcha. no, nope, 18. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, you do you start at 18 years old, do a law, is retirement at 20 or 25 now? It's 25 now. Okay. It's the same, you know, public safety retirement systems, the same for law enforcement yeah. and, and for fire. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, getting hired at 18 or 20 years old, it's almost too long. Uh, you're too young. I agree. When it, I was 23, you know, I've got 22 years. I, I retired from my previous department, which is weird to say, <laughs> but I did. And uh, at 45 to go, wait, I'm, I could retire, but I can't afford healthcare right. for the next 20 years. So what am I going to do? It's almost like, oh, 
careful what you wish for when you get because you have to stay for a long long time yeah and and we'll we'll move on to in a little bit but like part of that doing a long career mm-hmm. leads to some of the things that we were talking about before we actually yeah. started which was the ptsd and right. it's a hard life it is it's a hard life it's a hard you know you got to be in peak physical shape and the one thing i've always admired about the fire department that i can only speak from my personal experience with my previous department right. my previous department in the past, mm-hmm. I, again, I can't speak about now, right. gave this much about my physical health and my mental health. Right. But even back then, I was friends. With, when I when I got my EMT, I had my EMT cert for a few years mm-hmm. and started hanging out with firefighters. Right. And this, they actually appeared to care about their firefighters, the the physical health, the mental health. The, and, it, and a little thing was, too, is that being that I was state- I didn't go to a station and change where we had a gym and all that good stuff. I started in my driveway Mm -hmm. at the beginning of my shift and I ended in my driveway. Wow. So there was no... um, Where's the camaraderie? Where's the connection? Exactly. Yeah. And there was no gym. Yeah. So I couldn't just at the end of my shift go and and run off some frustration or trauma or whatever the case may be. You could have gone to a fire station. I used to. You're always welcome. Yeah, I used to. I'm I'm, I'm buddies with a uh, Gilbert fire uh, captain. I'll I'll throw him out there. Jamie Spada. I love the dude. And um, when I... Again, when I was back in the day, I mm-hmm. would, um, he got it set up so I could go to the Gilbert firehouse at the end of my shift and, and go work out and all that yeah. stuff. We're welcoming over in the firehouse. Come on in, work <laughs> out, do your reports, have some dinner. We'll make it for you. And, Sit down. Yeah. And when I became an EMT and then started hanging out with firefighters, I was like, this is a really, really good gig. It is. It's a really good gig. I mean, it, there are trade-offs, like you said, but I mean, ultimately... It's a family. You're you're there every third day, or at least a third yeah. of your life is spent with these people. So, picking the right department, being in the right place, and being with the right people—it's everything. Anyone will tell you you could be at the busiest firehouse as long as you have the best crew. It doesn't matter. You can be at the slowest firehouse with the worst crew, and it's torture. Yep, torture. And I mean, that's any job. You could be doing. Sure. Not to say that the fire department's a bad job. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you could be doing the shittiest job on the planet. Yeah with the greatest people yes and it's like time just flies oh, by and it's a gift yeah it's a gift but what you were saying about the wellness you know um when i was at asu i had the opportunity to do an internship with phoenix fire in their health center because at, at the time they really were doing health the physicals for every okay. department it felt like across the valley i don't know if that's actually true but it felt like they were doing it for a lot of people um and that was the only internship in my in my major at the time that involved the fire department gotcha. so that's what i was going to go for and wellness was the buzzword back then interesting uh, and this is in you know 98 99 and they definitely were focused on cardiovascular health yep. because yep. at the time that was killer of firefighters now it's cancer but um it it was there was always a push and there's a gym in every station and and wellness is a thing and here's a nutrition library and and here's resources and i think that that has been a thread throughout at least my career where wellness has has been important and been on the forefront i don't think it's always been funded that way right right because it's hard to it's hard to make the argument for that funding when you're like well you got two days off go to the gym right right agreed sorry that this is broken but well, what you don't realize is a lot of people are like, well, I'm, I get off work. If I can work out before my shift is over at 8 a.m. And then I'm going to go home and be mom or dad because I can't get to the gym because I've got little kids at home and my wife or husband work. Right. And then uh, that second day off, I'm not going to get a workout. Right. in, And then I'm going to go back to work. Well, at least two of the three days I'm getting my workout in because I'm at work um, and that's offered to me. So a lot of that recognition wasn't there, but. 
I think as we've moved through wellness and recognizing, hey, cancer is now a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, what are we doing now? We're doing cancer screenings. Okay. We're, you know, we're looking at clean stations. We have two sets of turnouts. We have extractors. We're looking at what's an extractor. An extractor is a, a washing machine that's okay. going to pull out all the understood, nastiness, understood. right? So, um, we're making steps because now we know the risks. But when you don't know the risks, how do you? For how do you have the foresight, right? right? PTSD, same thing. Obviously, we knew there was PTSD. Did we have the terminology for it? No. no. Did we have the ability to say, you're acting like this because of trauma? No. No. Maybe some people were, but they weren't loud enough. And for whatever reason, now we're able to start talking about it. We're able to start looking for solutions for it. Um, and I think people are willing to listen. I think there's an older regime that very much believed, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Amen. Shut up a color. Yeah. I, and, and no fault of their own. They didn't know better. Agreed. Nobody was teaching them that, Hey, these things are happening. There was no validation for someone acting the way they were acting. And there was no reason behind it that they could comprehend. So why were they going to take action towards it? And that, and that is something that with this podcast that I have tried to push is the fact that uh, my own mental health spiral when I was in law enforcement mm -hmm. from PTSD, from a traumatic situation, mm -hmm. led me down to where I'm at now. Right. All, all is good. Things have been worked out, obviously. But when you're in those situations, when you've mm -hmm. experienced that trauma, mm -hmm. most and again, my experience is most people don't know. They I, don't know that nope. they're exhibiting these weird signs or symptoms. Mm -hmm. They're relationships are falling apart, right. they're angry, they're isolating, mm -hmm. they're um, doing all the wrong things. And I'm, I'm sure it's probably the same in the mm -hmm. fire world. Yeah. Alcohol yeah. is the go-to. Absolutely. And I mean, there isn't a firefighter event where alcohol is not a, right? a centered portion, part of that. The, it, that's cultural. Not on, not on duty, not at the well, firehouse. Uh, no, of course, I'm duty. saying off duty. <laughs> um, uh, no, of course. But, you know, we also have normalized that yeah. and we've made that cultural and, and part of it and, and okay and accepted. So f when someone goes and gets super wasted and you're like, oh, that's the dude that gets super wasted. We weren't going, well, what's going on really? Right. We might call him an alcoholic. You might go, well, they've got a family history and, and you kind of blow it off. But nobody was connecting the dots Ever. and saying that's PTSD or maybe that's what's, you know, they've been seeing. Um, and shout out to my peer support team in my former department. Um, they have really worked hard to, quote unquote, break the stigma and and to really allow these conversations to happen in a in a comfortable way, in a free way. And um, I I did exactly what you said. I was exhibiting signs. I had physical signs. My body was hurting. Okay. I wasn't sleeping. I was having nightmares. I um, was having anxiety. I never had been an anxious person. And all of a sudden I would just be anxious and I could recognize that I was feeling that way, but I didn't know why. Yep. It, it's that was exactly. That's exactly. It's like, why am I? And then you don't understand that it's manifesting itself in yeah. physical ways or where it came. Okay. Well, I'm angry. I'm lashing out, but why? Right. I'm, I'm fine at work. I hold it together. And then I get home and I'm, my son's room's a disaster. And I'm like, clean up your room. You know, <laughs> why, why is this such a big deal? And I would sit and go, why am I mad about this? No. Um, and I reached out to one of my peer support team members who happened to be a good friend of mine. I was like, I need help, dude. I need help. Cause something's wrong. 
And it wasn't until I got in and got with a therapist and she was like, okay, I see what's happening. I see where this probably came from, but similar to cancer, it can't be one call. Right. It's not, it's compounding. You know, they, we have cancer legislation that says, Hey, if you get cancer on the job, we're going to cover it. Right. Right. Um, and, and we're not going to ask questions and it's assumed that you got it on the job, but then you go to a third party administrator and they go, well, which one is it? Well, let me show you. I just got the list from when I retired. They gave me a list of all of my exposures. It's three minutes long, just scrolling through and not slowly, like scrolling pretty quickly. You cannot tell me <laughs> that it's not a compounding effect of all of those exposures. It's it can't be. No. One might be the breaking point. Right. right. But that's not it. So same with PTSD. How many drownings do I have to see? How many mothers do you have to hear wailing? How many dismembered bodies? How many dead bodies do you have to see until you finally have your breaking point? Right. And is that going to manifest in action, in physicality? We don't know, but at least now we're talking about it so that maybe we can recognize it. And, and again, I cannot thank you enough for being here and talking about this stuff openly. And it's just, it's refreshing. And I want, if my house catches on fire, if there's a medical emergency, <laughs> I want people the, to, I want the fire department to show up in the best physical and mental condition possible to be able to do their jobs and then to go back and decompress and to deal with the issues. If it's Same a, with law enforcement. Right. I mean, anyone that's that I'm welcoming into my home, into my safe space, I hope that they're in the best space they can Amen. be into. And, and again, on the law enforcement side of the house, it's the fact, I, I, I believe, and again, I'm looking back at my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. I, I will not stand here and say I was a perfect cop. No, absolutely not. Sure. There are times when I could have dealt with the public in a much better way. Right. But it was probably manifesting itself in PTSD. And then that's why I was, you know, I, I, I dealt with a person wearing all black clothing who had a gun and I treated that person differently. And then I run into somebody who's totally innocent in all black clothing, but doesn't have a gun, right. but I'm reverting back to that sure. and treating them like dirt. Right. And it's just compounding on top PTSD. of each other. It's well, PTSD. yeah. I mean, that's where your brain, whether you like it or not is going yeah. it, it, and it could be subconscious. I, I think it's all mostly subconscious. Probably. I, and, and maybe not. Some of it might be cultural bias. I don't know I'm not a psychologist, right, right. but, um, I do know that I have witnessed people that I look up to and respect treat patients wrongly. No. And I, we go back and I'm not like, hey, what the fuck? I Sorry, am I allowed to cuss you on you? You can say whatever sorry. you want. Uh, what the hell are you doing? Um, <laughs> sorry. But it's, it's a firefighter way. But uh, I go, hey, man, are you okay? And they, what do you mean? I'm, I'm just checking to make sure if everything's okay. Kids okay? Yeah. You okay? Wife okay? Like everything okay? And they go, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm fine. Why? Because you just snapped at that lady for no reason. And to me, that's a warning sign that something's up. Yep. And if nothing's up, well, then we got to really talk because you done messed up and we got to write you up. <laughs> yeah. Like th then that accountability starts, right? Which nobody wants to do. No supervisor is like, hey, I can't wait to write somebody up. Right. That, that's the last thing anyone wants to do. I want to take care of you. So if you tell me, you know what? No, I had a fight with my son. My head's not in the right space. I'm like, I get it. That can't happen. But now it makes sense. And what can I do to support you? Amen. Right. So do you need to go home? What do we need to do? You need to go 
take an hour? What, what? It's so refreshing. And I, I just, I, re- I reflect upon my own personal experiences where I was, I was going through a divorce, had two little boys and this and that. And I went and I wanted to get off of nights and go to days. Mm-hmm. And I sat in the office and I, and I broke down crying in front of a, a commander and the commander goes, well, AJ, we're not going to, we're not going to uh, grant you your request to go to days. You know, life is a, is a juggling act. And when the balls all fall down, you just got to learn how to pick them up. Yeah. That was my support. Well, unfortunately, I've had similar <laughs> experiences where I said, hey, I'm a single mom. I don't have any help. Right. I, I, I need what's been promised to me to, to continue so I can continue to be a parent. And I was basically told, screw off. Yep. You're not special. And it's as opposed to supporting the person. Yeah. Maybe it's temporary. Listening. Yeah. You know, um, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Agreed. And I've had many a boss that really listen yeah. and care. And you know, if they care, they're going to truly take to heart what you're saying. It may not always come out in your favor just because right. they listened. But um, those supervisors that say they're, well, I want to listen. I want to hear what you have to say. But then you're you're talking and they're talking right over you or they're dis- discarding everything that you're actually saying or there's no action post that conversation in, in your favor in any way, even to acknowledge it, right. just an acknowledgement. Um, that's tough. And that's, those are hard people to work for. That does not make it. We're a family. Oh no. And especially when it's in a leadership position, because right. how do you buy into an organization where you don't feel cared about? You know, I work for someone currently or with someone currently. Um, and it, I'm going to give him a shout out. Dr. Chief Nixon. Uh, he, said something it's very basic but it makes so much sense to me if the supervisor the person cares that's the the basic pillar of of leadership amen they care right because if they care what happens well we start to trust them because we know they care about us and when we trust them then we start to respect them and he looks at trust and respect as reciprocal oh 100 so when you got one you got the other Right. But, but if all of that starts with, I care about you, it's kind of undeniable, mm-hmm. right? You're going to go, oh man, this guy really cares. He heard what I had to say, acknowledged yeah. what I had to say. He explained that, Hey, I can't, I can't make that happen right now. And this is why, but this is what I can do. Yeah. Wow. Don't you trust that guy? You, you will follow that right person. You will follow that person through the gates of hell. I will. percent. My, my current chief, I'll tell you the heart of gold. He, he hired me in Glendale and in 2000 and I got to spend a lot of time with him. A lot of my career was intertwined with him and he left. Um, and we, we got another chief who I also was very, very close with. And then he's become the chief here at AFMA. And when he approached me and, and, and we would talk, it was always with caring. Yeah, It was always with kindness. It was always with a genuine desire to know how I am. There was no agenda. Right. And it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. They they probably could have offered if it was if it was a terrible experience, and you had known that person in the past or in the previous department, sure. and they but they liked what you did and wanted to come over to AFMA. Yeah. If it was a terrible person and a terrible experience, they probably could have doubled your money, and you would have been like, no, no. I, they you, the old saying, right? You quit your boss, you don't quit your job. That's I like that. Uh, you you don't quit your people, you don't quit the people that you care about. Right. But if you don't, if your boss is making your job miserable. It doesn't matter how much you love your job. It's miserable. It's miserable. Yeah. And and, and when, if you love your boss on the flip side, 
they make your job so much easier. Amen. So much better. Well, and the thing about the work-life balance in public service, mm-hmm. such as law, military or law enforcement, military, firefighter, mm-hmm. whatever the case is, when things are bad at work, nothing is good at home. Yeah. And if you're dealing with terrible circumstances at work, whether it's micromanaging, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case is, that's where everything falls apart. And even if not the PTSD, if you don't want to wake up and don't yeah. want to go, not wake up in a suicide sense, no. but not wake yeah. up and go to work. Yeah. You're dreading it. You're dreading it. Oh my gosh. It's the worst. Just think of any situation where, that you dread. Yeah. I don't care what, going to the doctor. For me, it's going to the dentist. <laughs> and I don't d- like dentist, it. amen. Right? So <laughs> when you have that in your head, like you don't sleep the night before because right. you're anxious about it and you're concerned and what am I going to do wrong or how am I going to, whatever it is. And, and at every level in life, like just don't make it miserable. Let's just care about each other. Let's just care about each other. Let's support each other. There's room in the world for all of us to win. Amen. So let's win together. And that is like my whole thing is like, how do we find a common ground and bridge the gap between all right. of this stuff? Yeah. And that's, yeah. And it's just very refreshing to hear now in this day and age. And I'm, I'm so happy that it's hmm. going this way. I'm so I think happy. I, I don't know that it's everywhere, but I'm certainly in an environment right now where I feel it. It's magic. And, and it's, it's, I keep saying it feels like the old fire service when I first got here. Okay. Um, just a, a lot of people that really care, really want to do the best for the members and for the community. Flip that for the community and the members. <laughs> um, but ultimately, it, it's about moving the needle for the fire service in general. No. And, and how do we make it better for everybody? That's a, that's a unique vision. And one that's scrutinized because it's not something that everyone's uh, said. Well, and people need to also understand that you're, it's a life and death job. Yeah. It's literally a life and death job. There's other people's lives in your hands yep. as well as your life yeah. is in other people's hands at any given moment at any given time. Uh, every time you get on a fire truck, my life's in the hands of the engineer and, and the other two people on that truck because he's, he or she is driving us to the, to the call. Right. And so there's extraneous circumstances because we don't know what other drivers are going to do. But I trust I trust my engineer implicitly to get us there safely. And it's my job as a captain, if I'm on a truck, to make sure we're all safe and we all go home. I'll sacrifice my life before I'm sacrificing any of theirs because I'm never going to answer to their family member and say, I, I didn't do something and it caused your family member to die. I, I couldn't fathom having that I, I couldn't do it and no. I wouldn't do it. And so with that, it's your responsibility to know how are my people? Are they functioning in the best way possible? And what do they need to do that? And how do I foster what they need and what they want and where they want to go? Um, that is my job as a captain and even more so now my job as a chief, Gotcha. Uh, just in a different capacity. I don't have the day to day hands on touch. But I certainly have the ability to to be there for people. You can make yourself available. Yeah, I mean that's oh yeah that's, and that's just me. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I've I've been an advocate for years for firefighters, and that will never end. Um, I don't care what position I'm in. That's awesome, and I just the 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 community, the people as a whole don't yeah. comprehend the fact, and I don't mean to downplay anybody, no. but it's that camaraderie, yeah. like every people who go and work a business job and stuff like that. Like, again, it's just, you're, they don't understand the level of camaraderie. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the level of, of brother sisterhood and what you said, you know, you would sacrifice your life for somebody else. All, all, all day. I, 
I equate this to, again, law enforcement heavy because of yeah, my background. The, the public doesn't understand for the most part the fact that they didn't wake up and want to do bad. They didn't yeah. wake up and want to do a bad job. They didn't want to wake up and kill somebody. They no. didn't want to wake up and do anything like that. You wanted to wake up, do your best, put your uniform on, and serve the community. Yeah. Yes, you have assholes in every in every of job course. and everywhere and yeah. everything. I don't care what what line of work. Right. Yeah. But it's just it's it's the the camaraderie. It's the brotherhood. It's the caring for one another. I never went, I was military. I never went to war. I never went overseas. I have many friends who have, and they explain it's the same sort of thing where it's like trauma. It doesn't matter what happens out there. It it matters what happens between the people to your left and to your right. Shared trauma will bond you. Amen. And every call you go on, someone's experiencing trauma. It might not be you or someone on your crew, but it's the caller. It's the community. Someone's experiencing some trauma. Right. And so there's a stress aspect to that. Even if it's just a fall injury, you never know what a fall injury can turn into. So we have shared trauma every single time we got on a fire truck and go or, or a ladder or whatever. Apparatus. Correct. Thank you. Uh, And (laughs) we, we're all going to share that trauma on that call. So imagine doing that 10 to 15 to 20 times in a 24 hour period how much trauma have you just shared? So how bonded are you? That's and then astronomical. Amounts. You are eating together, mm-hmm. working out together, watching football together, sharing your woes, sharing your joys, sharing, hey, my wife's pregnant. Yeah. Hey, I'm getting married. I'm having a grandchild. All, you know, my kids graduating, all of the stuff. They're all the shared experiences. So whatever you do with your actual brother and sister we're spending even more time together. Way more time. Right? Way more time. And and we're negotiating experiences that most people should never see. Agreed. Ever. Not only never see, but don't talk about. You shouldn't know these horrors exist. And that's our job is to go to the horrors and then push that away. Yep. Go home and be mom or dad and have a cheery disposition. It's... That's the facade. That's a big ask. That's a big ask. And that's the facade that's put on until they start dealing with it. And so like we talked about earlier, how it starts manifesting itself in bad ways yep. and which leads to divorce, which leads to alcoholism, which leads to all the stuff, all the things, all the bad, all the terrible things. Yeah. yeah all the things that the spicy things in life. I wish it was, you know, PTSD led to making rainbows and, and, <laughs> and everything was better, but it, it isn't. So we need to make it okay to start dealing with yeah. it along the way so that it's not compounding. We can't get rid of it completely. No, it's just impossible, but we can have tools. And, you know, I have friends that are microdosing right now and they're like, it's changing my life. There's a ketamine therapy that's going around that people are using with mushrooms. And are they in the fire department? Correct. And they're allowed? Sure. Uh, I think that there are experiments that are going, I'm not going to say who or where or what, but I, but I know it's game changer for them. Um, and, and cannabis is absolutely something that's used. People are just searching for tools to make them, them feel better and cope and, and therapy along with all of those things. I'll, I'll share my person. And again, this is a cannabis based podcast and, um, I'll share with you my personal experience and I've, I've told it before and I don't yeah. know if you heard another one, but I have, but Go so, so yeah, so I'll, I'll share it again though, but and I'll just be brief, but like I, I started using cannabis for my back pain right. and then I did not understand 
I used a little bit as a kid, right. you know, when I was a, te- a teenager, mm-hmm. but, and then I had a 20 year break in between. Um, and when I started using it for my back pain and then I had one particular instance, one particular evening where I, I used, I was medicated. I was in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. It was one thirty in the morning. And the next thing you know, I'm bawling my eyes out right. dealing with a traumatic event. It was a shooting involving a law enforcement officer who died and up in Cholo, but I was able to disassociate mm-hmm. from the event and then walk through the event. And since I had that break, and it was all on my own, I wasn't in therapy at the time. Right, right. It just happened. Right. My, my brain said, you need to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And I've, I heard a really interesting statement the other day that your central nervous system will bring out and deal with what it can and suppress what it cannot. Interesting. And it was very interesting. And so from that moment though, I've been, I've been good. I've, I've good. it's, it's everything. A lot of sure. things have cleared up and all that stuff. And I didn't, it was at that time when I really became an advocate for, for mm-hmm. cannabis use mm-hmm. with purpose. Right. Well, all of this needs to be with purpose and yeah. that's the caveat, right? So you go, well, is our fire department allow for that? I mean, they're not using it to get high, right? They're using right. it to cope. They're right. looking for tools, um, and, and natural, you know, mushrooms and cannabis, if we're going to, I'm not advocating for anything. I'm just saying I advocate for firefighters. So Amen. if if this is going to help you and this is a tool that that helps you be happy, because at the end of the day, you we all deserve to be happy. It's not just about getting through it. Right. We shouldn't get through the 25 year, 30 year career. We should enjoy it, too. Yeah. Amen. We are we're supposed to have lives outside of this and that we can thrive in as well. Um, so if if you need to look for a tool to do that for a way to cope let's do it no. but let's do it safely let's do it smart let's do research let let's do it in a smart way so that everyone can now value what you're using no. and, and utilize that and and come to a way that it that it helps everybody um i'm all for that <laughs> right so you shared your story i'll get i'll share something personal for Please. me so I'm allergic to all pain medications. I, I can't take anything. Okay. Um, the vomiting is just out of control. And th- they'll say that's not an allergy. It's a, you know, sensitivity. But I'm telling you, it's an allergy <laughs> when you have abdominal surgery. So I have, I've was diagnosed with endometriosis at 18, my okay. freshman year of college, um, ended up having to have surgery and they prescribed me opioids, Vicodin, because... I'm 18. I'd never had a, anything where I needed it before. Well, endometriosis is in the uterus. So I had scars and pain in, in my lower abdomen. And now I'm vomiting profusely for days. Can't keep anything Ooh. down. I have scars. I'm in pain. Um, and after three days, my mom had called the doctor. They're like, we can give you more. We don't want more. Right. Um, my mom called my dad. They'd been divorced forever and said, I, I need help. He brought over some pot. I got high on my parents on my, on the back porch at my mom's house. Um, first time I'd ever gotten high or smoked any, I was kind of a goody two shoes. Um, and I had a banana and I went to sleep and it was the first time I slept and the first time I ate for three days. And I'll tell you, I was so grateful and I, I never used again for that period of time. I, I wasn't using it recreationally. It was like, this is what I needed to mm-hmm. get through it. Mm-hmm. It was the only way I was going to get through it. And I watched the evidence of it. Right. Cause I was just left to my own accord to vomit and not sleep for days. <laughs> That's not a fun time. It's horrible. At 18, it's horrible. And I had been in excruciating pain for eight months prior to no. that. 
every single day. So I almost looked forward to the surgery to feel better. And then that was, you know, what happened, but it helped me. Um, I know, I know it was the only thing I was going to be able to use. And I've had six surgeries since then. Um, and I used weed for three of the six because I was on the job for the other three and couldn't, you know, couldn't do it. But, um, it, it was the only thing that I was able to get through, through it with. So I know it works. That's amazing. Yeah. And I was, I was prescribed opioids when, when my back exploded back in late 2017, they were like, we'll give you whatever you need until you have surgery. And it was, I, it was not recreationally legal. Um, I was out of law enforcement. I was in so much pain. I didn't care. Yeah. And so that, that was what led me down it. Cause it was like, Hey, this actually worked. Right. And then when it was time to transition off of opioids, which I, I never became addicted to opioids, mm-hmm. but I can tell you, I almost did. Sure. Well, I, not being in pain is the goal. No. So whatever gets you to not being in pain, sometimes you're going to do whatever it takes, not concerned with what, what that out extraneous. They could have told me crack and heroin was the, yeah. would get you out of pain. And I would have done it because I was in that much pain. I hear you. The, the thing that has always amazed me though, from the people I know still in law enforcement, mm-hmm. they're allowed to have their opioid prescription and be working. I don't under, I don't see, I don't get that. And, and we were talking before we really went on air and, um, I know of someone who was having back surgery. I was told this anecdote. They were, they were meeting with back surgeons and the surgeon said, Hey, we don't want to give you opioids. It's opioid crisis. Let's, let's go with cannabis. And he said, I got to talk to my department and see if I'm allowed to. And the chief was like, "Mm -mm, safety sensitive position. We can't allow it. It's policy. So the goes back to the surgeon. They're like, I guess we'll give you opioids. Like you've got to progress Two progressive doctors. That's amazing. And, and they're going, no, no, no. All we're hearing is no more opioids. This is terrible. We're in a crisis. We're the problem, right? We doctors are the problem. So we're trying to correct that. And this is what happens. Crazy to me. And again, it's changing the narrative. It's changing the ability to say, Hey, this is bad. We know this is bad. It's so bad. It's an epidemic. And we've said, let's stop using this. But we gave you no other tools. We're saying, hey, here's some tools. Right. We've made it legal. Um, why aren't we able to explore what that really means in all parts of the world? I get the safety sensitive. I'm not condoning someone going to work high. I'm not saying go drive a fire truck high. The same way I'm not saying go drive a fire truck drunk. There's right. policy for that as well. Don't drive a fire truck on on too much cold medicine no. or, or too much Benadryl or, or your personal vehicle. God forbid vehicle. you have a migraine at work and you have to take a migraine medicine. No. Well, can't do that either because those are controlled substances. I mean, let's lo- look at the gamut of all of it, right? Here's a, a quick question. How many, and again, just big round sure. numbers here, how many opioid deaths, let's say in the last oh, gosh. six months, have you been on? I, I can't give you that number. Not I can't even count. No, I don't know. And I, I've talked to like, in in my former department, I would talk to the EMS people and, and I'd go, hey, can you give me numbers? Can you? And they're like, it's it's astronaut. Yes, we're seeing a jump. Overdoses are, are becoming just a daily occurrence, right? Um, depending on where you're working, it would change a little bit. Right. But we but they were it was across the board. It's it's not it's not necessarily a specific population. It, it's happening it's across everybody. the board. Yeah. And it's increased for sure. How many cannabis overdose overdose deaths have you ever been on? Two, 
deaths? Yeah. Okay, time out. You're going to have to explain a lot because yeah. there's no reported deaths of cannabis. Well, I, that's what they're <laughs> saying they were on. Okay. So, you know, I, who... Understood. I, I'm not an ME. Understood. I do not look at those. But when you go on calls and you go, what have they done? Understood. And they're like, so was it laced with something? Probably. Possibly. Right? I, I don't know. But I have been on to that. And again, they aspirate. So did they die of aspiration? Right. Right? Well, those sorts of things. But two that I know that they've said, hey, the only thing we know they did was weed tonight. Okay. So to be fair, I have been, and again, and I'm trying to gather data on this. So I'm yeah. not, these, these are not gotcha moments or anything like that. Oh, no, no. Not at all. I've scoured the internet and every single one that I have found has been debunked. I'm trying to mm-hmm. find information regarding right. uh, fentanyl laced weed oh. in regards to being sold to the person, right? which I haven't found. Well, and how will you know? Right. So it's all about who's reporting it and how exactly. they're reporting it. I mean, we're only as good as our data, but who's reporting the data? How right. are you getting it? So being the people on the streets and seeing the people and talking to the people, are they lying to you? Maybe. Oh, of course you know, they are. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, we're not law enforcement. Right. So sometimes people do tell us the truth. And it may not be in a public setting. It might be in the back of the ambulance on the way to the hospital. And we go, hey, man, what'd you really take? No one's here. I've been privy to many of those conversations. Right? Standing over the firefighter yeah. with my pen and paper going, all right, I'm just going to listen. Exactly. Because that's the bond that we've created with the community because we really do care about no. them we really you know it's not the gotcha right and and they don't look at i hope they don't look at us like that i think that narrative's changing a little too because we're kind of being meshed into law enforcement and public safety as all of us feeling like we're under attack a lot of times not the same but still feeling that way and there's more attacks on firefighters than ever before but do you mean physical attacks yes yes um but it, i do hope that that trust, that basic trust is still there. And and I've seen it many times where I've been on calls and I'm in the back. I finally close the doors of the ambulance. We're on our way to the hospital. And I'm like, hey, tell me, tell me what you really took. Because there's difference in treatment, right? If you took Tylenol, that's a big difference than right. if you took Advil. So let's let's have this conversation so that we can get you the right treatment. I don't I don't want to see you suffer unnecessarily. Right. So um I do think a lot of times they're telling me the truth i i do Not agree with that yeah no they, i have had uh uh i call them suspects you call them patients <laughs> um i have had people in the back of the uh ambulance who have where the firefighter the, the ems provider has mm-hmm. been like hey what did you take and they're like who's here nothing uh-huh. and then then i'll st- and i have i have had times where i've stepped out and said do your thing i already know they're impaired i don't care about that yeah part. yeah but yeah no and they're gonna get a tox report at the hospital anyway so you're going to find out, yeah, right. right? I mean, ultimately, we're likely to find out. It's just so much easier if, if you're honest so that we can help you. Get and get the the appropriate treatment for right. what it is they took. Absolutely. So that's what, that's Don't what take the generic. About. Let's get you what you really need, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, for sure. And it, it's on the cannabis front, um, it's the sort of thing where I'm, again, I'm trying to gather data right. to show people like, cause on the drug enforcement administration's page, the, their books of their drugs of abuse book, their street drug book. It, I mean, they even say that there's no been no reported deaths from cannabis. And again, it, like I said, I'm just trying to, I'm sure that's get, true because the they'll go, okay, well they did cannabis, but they aspirated. Right. We're going to say they aspirated. Okay. Fair enough. They did. That's the actual physiological reason right. that they, that they died. 
but why did they get so impaired that they were able to aspirate right possibly from the cannabis it's possible yeah let's be honest right anything could kill you too much water could kill you right and i i fight the fight where there's a a ton of pro cannabis proponents that will argue oh you can't be impaired on cannabis and i'm like look bullshit Mm. like i am a cannabis user i'm an open cannabis user i will stand there and say and again i have you know the law enforcement background like no 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 it's it's possible i'm impaired with too much sugar (laughs) i mean too much caffeine caffeine. let's talk about i you can be impaired what does that really mean right get to the definition the root of the definition you can be impaired in anything that you do to excess It, it changes your chemistry anytime your body chemistry changes you're impaired you also have a medical background, though. So you, when we spoke before, correct me if I'm wrong, you are a current uh, paramedic? Correct. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I've been a medic for 21 years. Well, that was always my aspiration to get my medic. Yeah. So, but again, you, you and paramedics, EMTs that have mm-hmm. the medical background mm-hmm. will obviously disagree because you have a different background Maybe. and understanding on it. I don't know. I think you're going to find opponents and proponents in all (laughs) levels of expertise and information and learning and position. I think that's the beauty of the fire service, in my opinion, is that there are differences of opinions. We don't all think the same way. We don't want to. I want someone to challenge me. I want someone to have different ideas. I want to hear what they have to say because that makes me better. If I can understand both sides of the story, whether I subscribe to it or not is really irrelevant. But I want to know why do you think that way? Yeah. What makes you feel that way? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go in and and persecute you for how you feel. I just want to understand you. That that's exactly the same way I I try to think. I don't want to yeah I don't want to persecute anybody. Right. I just want to listen. How do you think and why do you think that way? Right, and because we're gonna go on calls and people are gonna have the same opinion as them, and some are gonna have the same opinion as me. And we have to treat all of those people, and. I would much rather have someone that understands the culture and the people and the thought process with me that can help in that situation. Cause if it's just a bunch of people that think like me and they think differently, am I, are they going to relate to me the same way? Probably not. It's the same as having a female on a fire truck, right? There was pushback when it first started. And sometimes there are old school people that don't like it, even new school, (laughs) but there's value in all of us and what we all bring to the table. And I don't want a bunch of people that look and think the same way on a fire truck every day. It doesn't do anybody any good. If you're representing a diverse population, you have to have diversity. And again, this is not like, you know, hire someone just because they are blah, blah, blah. I want experienced, knowledgeable people that are the best at the jobs in which they do. I want the best person for the job, right? And, And I'm not into, hey, we have 33% X, X, Y, and Z culture. So we need 33% X, Y, and Z culture in, in the department to, to reflect that. No, no, no. But don't exclude anyone. Right. Just right. include the, the best people for the job. The, I've always had the question though, of when it came to like the law enforcement stuff, how do you sp- get those specific demographics? How do you reach them? Yeah. How do you reach them? Like, again, I believe in Arizona, we have a large Hispanic population. Mm -hmm. So we have a large non-English speaking population. They are part of the population and rightfully so they should be. So how do you, how do you get into those communities and get those people? Yeah. So that kind of goes back to my social media background, the PIO background, you know, 
excuse me, it, who's your audience? It, let's say that that's, that's a demographic you're trying to target. Well, then you have to look at, well, where are they? Yeah. Are they on social media? Are they on mainstream media? Are they in rec centers? Where are they getting their information? You have to start there. Where do you get your information, X population? Okay, if if it's at the town hall meeting that you have every month, well, I better show up at yeah. the freaking town hall meeting every month if I need to reach you. If I'm posting all over Facebook, but you're not on Facebook, does that do you any no. good? No, I'm spinning my wheels. So start at, start at the beginning. Well, where is the population get their information to start with and be there and have a presence? And don't be a dick. Be, wow. be approachable. Let's always let's <laughs> let's just stick with that as the baseline for everything. Um, and if we could wear helmet stickers that just said "Don't be a dick," I'd, I'd do it. But Phoenix Fire chose to say "Be nice" instead. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> you know that's the same principle. Yeah, that's funny. I I did do a couple things though. Like I. I when I texted you last night and back and forth, like I wanted to make sure I'm not, I don't, not that interview style, but I, there was a couple of things yeah. that I wanted to specifically hit. So Question yeah, away. yeah, no, I, do you guys do, does your department specifically do wildland firefighters? We do. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause again, being that we live in Arizona here, urban interface, that's yes. kind of a ginormous issue, especially with as much rain as we recently had. Correct. Yeah. We've got such a, with the super bloom came so much, Mm, excuse me, grass and, you know, brush and extra flowers that are all now dead. And so that's no. just fuel. It's all fuel. Every, everywhere. Yep. So, yeah, no. And then I just wanted to ask about um, your, you, I watched a ton of your Instagram posts oh, and all that good well, stuff. Thank you. <laughs> and you had, you had asked me, um, why did I ask you to come on yeah. the podcast? I have reached out to many departments, uh, police departments mostly. Mm-hmm. I've reached out to a couple of fire departments. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because of the the whole cannabis thing. Sure. They don't want to come on. And I, I had a very, very uh, civil conversation with the PIO of, I think it was, yeah, it was Rural Metro. Mm. And, and they were like, thank you, but no, thank you. And again, I wasn't upset. I'm like, all right, yeah. I get it. And, but I found it easier to reach firefighters and law enforcement who have a social media presence. Right. Well, we're vulnerable already. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're more comfortable with being vulnerable, I think. For sure. Yeah, and the, the the breakthrough in the law enforcement side of the house was the second in command yeah, up I in Mount County. Yeah, I that one, yeah. And, I, and you're the breakthrough on the firefighter side of the house. <laughs> and Look I, at me. And, no, and, that's, and that led to, um, you know, getting another deputy on here. Right. And I'm hoping it will lead you, with you. We'll get yep. to other firefighters. Yeah, I think I think the reluctance, if I'm guessing and I'm just guessing, is, uh, again, it's it's not accepted in the majority of fire departments. The policies are very strict and they say no and it's still federally not allowed. And we're in a safety sensitive position. So are they going to come on here and be like, yeah, man, I'm totally pro cannabis (laughs) and I smoke every week? Like, no. And the truth is I don't, it's not my choice. I don't enjoy it. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I just want to eat on it (laughs) and go to sleep and feel real anxious later. Like it's not a good, it's not good for me. That's just not my choice. Uh, But I have very close friends that swear by it, you know, and, and it's changed their lives and, and I'm all for that. I, I want, like I said, everyone to do what they need to do to be happy and be whole and no. feel good. And if this is it, then then great. But you're going to have pushback oh. because it, it no one wants to jeopardize their job. And that's understandable. 
that right there is the part that pisses me off, though, because I'm a free speech absolutist. Mm -hmm. I'm a First Amendment absolutist. Uh, Nobody should be losing their job. Well, have you seen what happens to people that post things on social media and their departments don't like it? I mean, there's officers that have lost their job just for giving a thumbs up on a a post that they they didn't have anything to do with. So I I hear you, but there's a caveat. And as much as I want to say, yeah, we have free speech. We, no. we don't No, we don't. But that's part of what we accept when we come into these jobs. That's part of what you give up. And, and it's a it's a choice and it's a price that you pay. You're going to give Agreed. up a lot of things. Holidays, you know, time Family. at home, your mental health, sometimes your physical health. There's a lot of sacrifices that you're going to make. <clears throat> sorry to do this job. But that's a choice. Agreed. No one's forcing you to. There's a payoff. It's a freaking awesome job. Agreed. And you're going to meet some amazing people, lifelong friends, literally yeah. ride or dies, right? People that I would lay my life down for without question. That also goes for the public, though. Think about it. We have vowed on any given day to die for someone we've never met. Yep. Saving their house yep. or their dog or their grandma's pearls, right? That we have all made that vow and we're very comfortable with it. So why wouldn't we die for each other? Again, that's just something that a lot of people just don't understand. Yeah. Well, it's hard to wrap your head around. It it, it is. Yeah. Even for someone who's been on a long time, you know, it's the excitement of the job. It's, it's the thrill of getting on. It's, it's working towards something and then finally getting hired and then going through the academy and then getting through your booter year and, and doing all those things. And by the time that's over, it's probably been years, a years long process. And now you're like, holy crap, what am I actually in? <laughs> because that, that first year is a whirlwind. No. You, the calls don't process the same way, unless you're a little bit older. That I agree with. I, I went into law enforcement. I was fresh out of the military, 24 or 25. And I, I look back and, and think back now and I'm like, oh, I'm clearly more mentally fit and prepared now yeah. than I was back then. More tools in the toolbox. More tools and in the toolbox. Yes. Right? Maturity, all those things. Um, I think that plays into it. I also think you might be more prone to really feeling the effects of those negative calls when you're a little bit older too. Having kids is a big part of that. Valid point. Yeah. So very valid point. You know, I was twenty three, no kids, not married when I got on the job, just full of piss and vinegar and excitement and I knew everything just ask me and of course um you know that's all well and good but the the kid calls didn't affect me the way they affected my engineer my first dead body was a 16 year old that was racing down the street flipped our car and hit a tree and we get called to go basically say she's dead right and my engineer had a daughter the same age that looked like her as we walked up and when we got back from the station, he was not okay. No. I didn't understand that at the time I do now. Um, but it didn't affect me the same way. It was my first dead body. So that's all I could think of. How's this affecting me? Pretty dang selfish, but again, 23, 23. Yep. And, I get it. And you know, he's struggling because for a minute he was like, is that my daughter? Yeah. Um, so yeah, with maturity and with, life experience does come a little bit of um, more coping mechanisms, but sometimes it can also hit you harder. Well, and, and from personal experience, like 
I don't enjoy um, movies or anything like that anymore that have any kind of violence or oh, wow. dead body. I'm like, I'm over that. Yeah. I'm, I'm over seeing all that good stuff, you know, having experienced all yeah. of it and, you know, picked up bodies out of the roadway and all that good stuff. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of friends. I feel like recently, like when I say recent, maybe the last year that have said, I can't see another dead body. No. Ash, I can't. I just, I can't. And I don't even know. I don't know what to say to that because we don't have. We don't have a choice. You don't go, oh, sounds like it might be at a dead body on that one. I'm not going to go. Right. We don't have that luxury. I think sometimes we wish we did. Um, or, hey, I don't go on peds calls. Sorry. You know, I, I can't go on another drowning. We don't have the option. Don't have the option. No. You, you never know go. what's going to happen, what your shift's going to hold. And that's where first responders need to be supported in every way, shape, or form. Yeah. They need to be whatever, whatever it takes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Keep them whole. Keep them happy. Now, what is what is the fire department, the fire services doing now regarding mental health, regarding services for them? Uh, everybody's a little bit different. I mean, you've heard of Craig Tiger. I know you guys talked about it on the yes. on the Pinal County yes. one. Um, and we fall under the Craig Tiger Act as well. And we get those visits. Can I interrupt you for sure. one second? Are you familiar with, and I had the conversation does that have a sunset clause? Like, is that going so, to run out? Uh, you guys out? talked about that, yeah. and I didn't know that that was true. So I haven't researched around. it. Okay. I don't. I didn't know that that was true. It, when it was presented to me, and I've used it, um, I didn't know that it had a okay. sunset. But I can find out. Yeah, I would love to, because I'm also a PC I, for the Republican Party, yeah. and I can be a champion for that and speak yeah, up. I'd be surprised if it were, but needless to say, so we have I that. I apologize for interruption. No, 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 no worries. Um, we we definitely have that, and that I've seen that being used way more. Okay. Um, a lot of departments have resiliency programs, so they'll have like trauma therapists come in and and talk about resiliency and how to how to promote resiliency, how to create resiliency within yourself, how to recognize if maybe you're having some PTSD or some trauma responses. Um, that's huge. So that's prevention. We've never done prevention no, before. Never. We've never. never said, hey, you might feel this way and this is why and this is what you should do. That's a that's a big part of it. Just talking about your emotions. It's not a real big firehouse <laughs> love, though we do, but it's always in a joke. It's always in we a We all know that the captains sit everybody down and read them story time. <laughs> we kumbaya. Tuck them, into, tuck them into bed. Yes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. We Hey, I've had some of the most vulnerable conversations in a firehouse. 100%. Than, than anywhere. And I don't, I don't mean I've had, the, I've had those same experiences yeah. in the law enforcement side when sure. I had a partner. Yeah. It's when you're connected at the hip right. to, some, to another human being. Well, and I mean, I worked on the same crew for five years and-, and those oh, guys, it's like, you know, you know it all. Yeah. Um, and you have days where they just look at you and they're like, you're not, yeah. what's up? You know, and you're in a, you're in a room and you're just crying and they, they love you through it. That's, it's beautiful. But and, yeah, so we do, we have those things. Well, and I was going to say on your, your blue helmet, mm -hmm. social media, yep. you're vulnerable. Oh yeah. You're open. Yes. And that's refreshing. And I think from a, a, a you know, labor looking at your management and seeing vulnerability and human components. Right. I think that's major for their psyche. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I am a person that has had a therapy couch in my office for over five years. And that couch has been used by every level of the organization from the fire chief to the booter. That's awesome. Um, to, to people that wanted to be in the fire service. I mean, the, 
would just come and and talk and I've always been a place where I'm safe I'm not gonna tell your story I'm not gonna run around if you need help I'm gonna help you get resources and I'm gonna get you to the right place but I've never been part of the peer support team okay that's never there unofficially you are (laughs) I'm not I'm an advocate in in that I'm I'm an ear and I'm an advocate right um I there's only so much bandwidth for one person and I recognize that um that wasn't my path I I wanted to advocate. I wanted to be at at a different level, but I've had plenty of friends come and say, Hey man, I'm I'm struggling. And at the end, I'm like, would you be open to talking to a peer support person? Would you be open to going to therapy? This is what I did. It was so easy. I had to give them an incident number. I talked to some one person who was super nice. And the next thing I knew I had an appointment with a counselor and I was going to counseling and, and I loved her and she was amazing. Um, so I can offer my journey no. through it. And I know um, very close friends of mine will tell you it changed their life and they're so thankful that they did it. So peer support teams, resiliency, there's Firestrong, which is nationally based programs okay. that you can, you can text a therapist. You, you can go to any level where you're comfortable, you know, from, from texting to calling to FaceTiming, there are counseling um counselors available at all at all levels and and we'll meet you where you are there's also a center uh that iaff created for mental health so if you're struggling you can even go there did you are you familiar with the fact that i sat down with rick booker did you listen to any of that one no do you know who that is at all i do not okay he is a scottsdale retired scottsdale firefighter okay who did in fact commit suicide okay his fires his crew brought him back he's alive He's, he's out and about oh, right now wow. sp- spreading his message. So I, I was personal friends with him 20 years ago. I used to ride motorcycles with him. Wow. And then uh, I was listening to my my favorite podcast. Which is? Cleared, Cleared Hot by, with Andy Stumpf, mm-hmm. uh, a retired Navy SEAL. Um, and I was, I've, my phone went ding, you know, the yeah, notification yeah. that you have a new favorite sure. episode. And I went, Rick Booker. I was like, Rick Booker. 27 year retired Scottsdale firefighter. I'm like, what? And then I listened to it. Wow. His story is incredible. He was on the technical rescue teams. And again, I, he, his, I sat down and talked with him so I can say this. Um, He was on the technical rescue team. He, he did all of the things a firefighter does and through the many, many years of trauma. And he had just reached that point. Yeah. And again, he's a little bit of older school and just like I was just like you started and where there wasn't that support and he ultimately ended up committing suicide by uh, taking various drugs. He's a medic as well. I right. was never a medic. I was right. only an EMT, so I don't know all the, the combos of drugs. Sure. But he he succeeded. And well, he did. He, he did. He correct. Yeah. Um, Thank God. He tells the story, and I, I just forget the very specifics. But somebody had stated, "We need to go check on Rick," and and so they uh, launched a Phoenix Fire Department or police department and then the crew showed up and they saved his life so he now um like currently as we're sitting here right now it's what may oh isn't today international firefighters day it is international firefighter yeah there's the adhd kicking in sorry (laughs) no but he so they ended up saving his life and so he's been on a several podcasts now he's written a book um he's and like i said as we're sitting here on may 4th he is now traveling the country and trying to spread his message and spread his word and he did tell me though that he has reached out to some some fire departments here in this in this state where Mm -hmm. he's familiar with everybody Mm -hmm. 
and said, your, your EAP, your whatever is yeah. not adequate. Do you want me to come and talk to your guys? And they're like, now nah, we're good. Thanks. Mm. So, which I disagree with. Uh, more tools in the toolbox, <laughs> right, right? right? And, and Hey, some departments have a really great system and they're, they're working through it and they're doing the best that they can with the resources that they have. Um, but to make a true commitment to wellness and, and health, it, it costs money. And, oh, 100%. And that's just something that a lot of departments, I, I don't know a department that's like, we've got so much money. We're good. We don't need any more. There, there isn't a fire department out there. I don't, I, I would love to find one that right. says we've got plenty of money. We don't need it. And um, it's all tax based. It's all, you know, the, the yep. public is funding it. Correct. So it's part of a budget somewhere that people right. need, you know, people need to scrutinize and bureau, 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 bureaucracy. Bureau, thank you. Yep. <laughs> um, and there's all of those steps. So, you know, oh, we, we need to fund the book fair as well. And we need to fund the library right. and we need to, and I'm not, you know, those things right. are important as well. Right. It's like, but you also got to fund the ones who are going to come and save you. Right. And that, that is where, and again, my knowledge is very limited, uh, where a fire district versus a municipality is different a fire district is run by a fire board um, and we don't compete for funding in the okay. sense that we have a set no it's based on your taxes for your for your home so that's where our funding gotcha. comes from it doesn't change um, we don't get a bump we don't go that's bad in these it's times terrible yes we don't get to go hey um I know water department's got a, a $20,000 surplus. Could you move that over? We don't have, we don't have that. We don't have any safeguards. Okay. So um, it's a struggle for districts a lot of times. And, and unless we can come up with ways to make more, right. um, they had a bond last year that didn't pass. And I think partly because just the message wasn't conveyed appropriately. The public didn't really understand what they were asking for. Um, and so, fire districts are a little bit in a conundrum where with inflation and yeah. the times we're, we're struggling. So good point. What you were saying is, you know, who's going to fund the people that are going to come in. You want those people whole and thinking straight and in a good way so that they can do the best for your family. Amen. But if we don't have any money to fund those programs because we can barely get fire trucks and, and engines and, and staffing, we're going to see more of a struggle yeah. and we're going to see more issues. You, you got to keep the trucks running and then something else is going to take a hit. Always. Yeah. So you, it's just you, like your house, right? right? Fix the air conditioner right? and you know, the vacuum goes out, right? wh whatever it is, but there's always, there's always going to be something. So um, no, for sure. But I think the wellness, as we talked about, it never gets to the top. No, it's always somewhere in the top 10, hopefully, but now, not not even yeah. 10 years ago i would say but now yeah, i would say in in fire departments wellness like i said it's always been there okay. that's that's it's a valid point. always been in the top 10 but sometimes it's 10 yeah and until you know recently where we really took a look at what is killing us and what can we do about it it hasn't made the top five it might make the top five for the member right and for the crew but that doesn't fund fuel and apparatus so yeah priorities and it's and correct me if i'm wrong here but it it as you stated before the cancer thing kind of takes precedence to everything when it comes to the wellness part of it because it it requires so much funding for well, treatment and screening and yeah i mean gosh we've been really really lucky in the valley we've got some grants yeah. a lot of the departments have been able to get some grants um to do 
the screenings, preventative screenings. And um, I'll say Vincere Cancer Center, Dr. Shukla, has changed the game when it comes to cancer screenings okay. and firefighters. She's so innovative. She's always looking for what's the Here. next best thing. Yes. She's one of the very first um, occupational oncologists. So Dr. Burgess, who's out of Tucson. Sorry, we have <sighs> to mention that silly, silly school. Um he was doing research before anybody else was doing research and was publishing about what are the real risks and, and they've teamed up and, and she does a lot of work with him to support some of the theories and things um, that he's looked into. And it's just a huge benefit to firefighters. It's, 100%. it's huge. And we know catching it early, not only costs municipalities and districts less, but it saves lives. So the dollars and cents make sense. <laughs> With the lives too. prevention and screening what is it it would an inch of prevention is worth a pound of cure yeah you know it's, um, it's a, a dollar of prevention true. is worth a hundred dollars of you know oh, cure. probably probably more but yeah. you know to me again it comes down to the person and the firefighter yeah. and saving their lives stage one cancer and stage four cancer that's that's very different you know one of my closest friends my mentor the reason i got hired in glendale um was diagnosed with cancer and and it changed how I look at it completely. And I will say that post 9-11, yeah. there's a ginormous, under, more of an understanding. Well, so many people were affected and, and it was on such a public scale. Yeah. And then we started to study it. And again, it goes back to what we said at the very beginning. It, we didn't know what we didn't know. Right. I mean, we just found PFAS are in our turnouts. PFAS. Yes. What's so that? those are... The forever chemicals okay. is what they're called, basically. So they are found in a lot of things. They they started in, um, like, you know, the plastic water bottles. Okay. And now we're finding that they're, they're in our, our foam, which we've known for a few years, but now they've realized, hey, they're in our actual turnouts. And, and to what degree? And those is, don't go away. Is this because of the burning of the of the burning of stuff and then it clings to it? Or are you saying the no, stuff it's that's actually created in the fibers with? of our turnouts? Oh, so what you're saying is, from my other conversation I had with the regenerative farmer, is that our world is killing us because of through chemicals and all that type yeah, of stuff. Pretty yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. So... But what are we going to do about it? Again, we just found out we're getting this information. So it's about the actions of the people way higher right. than me to make the decisions as to what what's going to happen. All I can do is say, hey, let's get let's get really robust screenings. Let's catch things early. If we're going to catch them at all, let's get you treated and let's get you healthy so that you can continue to have a wonderful life. I think, though, and again, though, one of the the number one killer of firefighters at the moment is suicide. Number one is cancer. Is number one is cancer? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Suicide is definitely climbing, and you are more likely to die by suicide than to die in a fire. Okay. That statistic, um, I think, is from 2018, but still holds true. Um, not number one, but anywhere in the top 10 is too high. Anywhere is too high. Yep. Yep. Anywhere is too high. I... I, I I'll keep my political comments to myself, but <laughs> yeah, I just wish we could stop sending hundreds of billions of dollars to other places and, you know, maybe spend a couple bucks here. Yeah. Maybe we could, you know, find a clothing manufacturer that doesn't put chem and I'll stop. Yeah, no, no, I hear you. I mean, <sighs> there are so many things that I think all of us would change and that we find to be just silly, silly injustices or silly things that don't make sense, but right. we don't get paid to make those choices. And someone, I just, I just hope that, 
someone much smarter than me is making that decision for a reason. I would hope so. I don't have a lot of faith currently at the moment. (laughs) We're not getting political, but I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, it is interesting though. Like you are a government worker, though. No, let me ask well, that question. I'm a district. So the, no, and I, I do apologize. I shouldn't no. have made that assumption. Like when you worked for Glendale, you were a government worker. Technically, yeah, yes. city and town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you were a, but like when I had uh, the Pinal County, he was talking about the government. The government, I'm going like, like you are the government. He's like, well, yeah, but I'm not at that level. And we are, we're, we are, we're public safety, so right. district, municipal, whatever. We're government, quote unquote, right? In, in the broader sense. Which is why you have all the bureaucracy and all that type of stuff. Right. Well, we gotcha. all have governors that govern our governing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I just want to make sure. Have you guys ever gone on a cannabis related like psychosis call or anything like that? Um. Yeah. Oh, for sure. No. Yeah. So I would say when spice was really big. Oh, that's yeah. But that's people were confusing yeah. the two. Um, but they would say, oh yeah, he's on weed, but really it was spice. No, no, no. Yeah. That, that was a whole different, that was. I, I don't know about psychosis, but again, it's what they tell you and what's right. factual. I, I don't know if those are true. So I'm not the, I'm not the expert when it comes to that. I can't go, oh, I, you're experiencing a psychosis and it's got to be related to whatever. I, I'm not qualified to make that gotcha. determination. Now I've had the conversation with my wife works in healthcare as well. She works in an ER and I've. And again, my wife is around me and, you know, I never shut up. So she, she's forced <laughs> to listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's, she's legally obligated to listen. Yeah. Um, but I, when I go and visit her at her ER and all that, and the doctors know what I do and they're super cool. Um, they didn't understand the fact that CBD is the breaks to THC. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm like, well, what do you guys, cause they've had, uh, unfortunately, irresponsible parents who leave edibles out and the kids right. pop the edibles and the kids are, you know, flying, you know, on pink unicorns and all that. Oh yeah. So and I've told them like, well, just give them some CBD. And the doctor's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, yeah. And then I'll provide them with some education and information on that aspect. I'm like, well, yeah, just give them some CBD and they'll Reverses come. the effects, yeah. huh? They'll, they'll really? come right. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. CBD is the breaks to THC. It knocks the THC off of the CB1 and CB2 receptors oh, and all that type of stuff. It's the Narcan for the Pretty much. cannabis world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you don't get up and run away like a crazy person on Narcan, but. Uh, usually you vomit. <laughs> it's true. All over you. Yeah. Those are fun. But yeah, you wake up mad typically. That's why you do it slow. See, and I left patrol before fentanyl was just coming around. Yeah. I left patrol before that hit. Yeah. And well, we had, we had heroin forever, but that was like no big deal. Like, mm-hmm. like what I'm saying, like on the law enforcement side where if I had a substance, I was a certified field tester. So I, I, I could, I could field test it right, right. without being scared. Yeah. No, to the actually getting in contact with right, it. Yes. No, right. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So I could field test it. No big deal. And then just as I was getting out of control and becoming a detective mm-hmm. and not doing the stuff on the side of the road anymore, they were like, don't touch any powders mm-hmm. anymore. They're like, don't do it. Just package it up and send it in for for testing because we don't know anymore. Yeah, scary, so scary. So I never, I never even dealt with Narcan. Oh so, wow! Like at all, that wasn't given or well, anything like we that. We used it a lot for heroin. And I know, and again, being that I was a state trooper and not sure. getting called to the same yeah, places, yeah, not the same, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't. I never once had, had that. a lot of overdoses in cars where we gave where we gave Narcan, right? Lots. Yeah, I never. Yeah, I never know. No, I'm I'm stopping and thinking about that. No, yeah, I've done it in a McDonald's drive-through where the guy just (laughs) is out cold, and they're like, "Um, sir, (laughs) do do you want your fries or not?" Yeah, he's just out. (laughs) And we're like, "Oh." But again, I mean, I'm I'm six years removed, so 
And again, I worked on the east side and, you know, fairly Gilbert area and stuff like that. It happens everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Yeah. I, back, happens everywhere. When I came on, Gilbert was kind of the, the Oxycontin, Oxycodone mm-hmm. capital. You know, mom and dad would get a prescription. Son, son and daughter were stealing it. Yeah. Scary. So I had I had Oxycontin stolen out of my, or it wasn't Oxycontin. It was whatever for my back stolen out of my house several years ago by, we had a someone that was whatever. Yeah. And I was like. There's only a few pills left uh, in here and my wife doesn't touch it. So, yeah. and then we confronted that person and they actually came clean. Wow. But scary. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, I, I don't know. Psychosis, maybe, maybe not hard to say. Understood. Yeah. And then and it, we, we spoke a little bit about it now and you had mentioned that it's bad, but like the opioid epidemic, yeah. is it as bad as everybody says it is? Yep. I think it is. I do. I've seen people I work with get hooked on it and it's definitely, it's definitely out there. Yeah. It's bad. There was the fire captain and slash national guardsman who passed away several years ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember what department he was with, but Phoenix. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be an issue of that one. I believe, I don't remember off the top of my head perfectly, but I think he had gone elsewhere and not his doctor to get, I don't know. Yeah, that's I don't know the specifics about that, but it's there isn't a population that's not affected by it, and so that's going to include fire. That's going to include PD. It's going to include teachers, nurses. Doesn't matter. It's it's an epidemic, and when you have doctors that are trying to say, "Hey, I don't want to prescribe that. I want to give you this," and then other people that say, "No, we can't do that." you're going to perpetuate it. And I'm not saying weeds better than opioids. I'm I'm not I'm just saying let's look at all the options, right? We know the opioids are as addictive as they are, and some people are fine. My son had knee surgery. They prescribed him five, yeah. I think. You know, and I said, "Hey, you're going to get these for 2 days and on the third day you're going to get ibuprofen." <laughs> and I'm these are gone. Like you're not they're out of the house and and we controlled it and it's fine and he's fine. Right. So we're lucky that he didn't have an addictive personality where he was going out and trying to find it. And again, that's a, some people believe that's a disease process Yeah, and your body just enjoys it. Mine rejects it. You're lucky. Yeah. You're lucky in that aspect. I, I am. Except when you have surgery, it's except not lucky. <laughs> it's not, I promise you it does not feel lucky, but the point is I, I just, yes, I think it's everywhere. I think it's everywhere. That's a shame. And again, zero, culpability for the uh, pharmaceutical companies and yeah, they got some fines, but they made 10 billion and only got fined 2 billion. So (laughs) more politics. Have you, did you ever see the show uh, on Hulu? It's about the opioid epidemic. Dope. What is it? Dope. Dope sick. Dope sick. Yeah. Yeah, I think I watched one, uh, one or two of the episodes, but yeah, it was amazing though to, to see the process of this family just Mm -hmm. pumping it out and poisoning everybody. And no, no remorse. No remorse. Yeah. And I mean, and if they did have remorse, I mean, they got eight billion in the bank. So who cares? Yeah, well, money rules the world in those cases, right? But again, that goes back to happiness. Where I'll do anything for a whole lot less money for Amen. joy and peace. And I think that that comes down to the civil servant heart. Probably, yeah. You know, I would like everything I do now is for free. Everything I don't get paid a damn thing for anything I do. Need some sponsors, buddy. Need some sponsors. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on that. Yeah. No, I, I would do 
I spend a lot of time with people. I do a lot of things for free and that's because it's for the greater good. No. Yeah. It's not about money. It's about moving the needle for firefighters in general and doing the right thing. That's awesome. I was going to ask what is, and again, just going over some things that I yeah. wanted to talk about. What, what is the, or what has been, or what have you noticed the, the relationship between law enforcement and firefighters? I came up in, in Glendale fire department and we had a fantastic relationship with our, with our officers. So it's always been really good for me. Um, I, I can't say that I've had issue with that. I've always felt like we've worked really well together. Excuse me. I worked in a part of town where we ran with Phoenix PD okay. uh, because one of their, um, what's it called? Precincts. It was right in our first due. And all, again, we had great relationships with them and it always was good. I know there are a lot of other places where that is not the case. I'm fortunate to have spent the majority of my career in, in an organization where that, that was the case. That's and, good. Um, our training center is PD fire and that's where our administration was. So always really worked well together. And then now, um, in the new position, I'm just trying to get to know the other, the other PIOs and the other people in, in law enforcement in our areas. But because we are so spread out, it's a little bit more difficult. And you encompass a lot of different yeah. areas. You're going to have a lot of different police departments. Right. You're going to have county. You're going to yep. have city agencies. You're going to have everything. Absolutely. But it's about having relationships and being people. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't matter where we work. It's it's just about making connections. And, and I talk about that on, on Blue Helmet a lot. You know, my tagline is connection matters, but it does. It's how... If you've connected with someone, if you have a relationship with someone or, or you at minimum have an understanding with, with someone, you're going to work better together. Amen. So why would we say a uniform inhibits that? Why wouldn't the uniform encompass that? Why wouldn't that them. encourage that? Yeah. Right. Because we should be all meeting in the same place. We have, we have similar hearts because yep. we're, we're all servant hearts, hopefully. And and we all want to do the right and the same thing is, is help the public. So we should be meeting in the middle, but making those connections are important. I think there's a, a large misconception. Um, I think it is, it is perceived that firefighters want to help the public. And I think that that's like the, the mass population as a whole is like everybody loves firefighters and yeah. you know, you're there for that. And then the, the majority is cops are, they were bullied in high school. They were this, they were that. Yeah. And it's, and it's sort change of the mindset, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, the bad, you know, in this day and age, it's just negative. That's pumped out. Of course. I, right. The, the narrative is what the narrative is and, and perception is reality. Uh, we say that all the time. Amen. So um, what you perceive to be the truth is going to be the truth for no. you. And, um, I know 99% of the cops that I know got into it to do good yeah. and to serve the community. And they take an oath to protect and serve and protecting sometimes means not doing the popular thing, but doing the right thing. Amen. So there's nothing wrong with ever doing the right thing. It's usually least, not the popular thing. Yeah, at least in my mind. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't always feel good to do the right thing. Right doesn't always it's not the warm and fuzzy it's not yeah it's difficult it's hard yeah and that's why the supervisors make a little bit more are required to have a little bit more and do more and be on longer because they need to have those hard conversations like we discussed earlier and sometimes you have to hold people people to standards that they're not excited about and they're not right. comfortable with right 
are is is again your department specifically are they integrating at all with the uh, like TCCC or uh, uh, yeah SWAT medics or anything like that? Sure, yeah, we have TLOs and we have protective vests that are distributed to everybody and say that oh oh, oh, oh you're talking protection uh, okay mm-hmm. gotcha and helmets um so yeah they're they're definitely embracing the the need to protect our our membership and our and ourselves and the fact that calls are getting a little bit more violent maybe not a little bit a lot more really violent mm-hmm. yeah yep just on a day-to-day basis everything correct wow yeah yeah because i mean Again, it was the age old, you know, thing of, hey, fire, you know, cops, fire, fire, fire's going to stage. Mm-hmm. We're going to stage three miles away at the Dunkin' Donuts hey, and hey, cops hey, are going to. Hey. <laughs> three miles. That's out of our first due. We're not going to wait. Not going to be that far, that far Maybe a mile. No. And it was, yeah, it was, you know, the cops are going to go in and make the scene safe. And then the, you know, the, the, f- the scene safe. Right. Mm-hmm. What is it? The cops are the finest and firefighters are the bravest is that the way it goes or am i got that reversed i don't know i forget I've been it's been a while second responder so many times <laughs> i can't count <laughs> and that's just all the the love and the camaraderie yes. and all that type yes. of stuff again cops want to be on the fire truck uh-huh of course they do they sure want our snacks <laughs> <laughs> and being that i wasn't with the city department until i became an emt like i didn't understand the culture or anything sure. like that why would you right yeah i mean we assume everyone understands what we do and how we do it and why we do it But why would we assume that? Right. Because we live in that culture the same way officers assume people understand why they're doing what they're doing. Right. Well, until someone explains it to you, they probably don't. Right. So it's our job to do things like you're doing. Spread the word. (laughs) That's that's what I'm that's the goal. Yeah. That's very much the goal. I I get it and I support it. That's why I'm here. Thank you for having me here, by the way. And thank you for coming. And again, it's I I think that it's a groundbreaking one. It's getting them. I have a ton of younger people who actually send me messages and ask me questions sure. and regarding all this type of stuff. Yeah. So I'm very happy that you came on. He said, you've given me an hour and 45 minutes of your time. You drove <laughs> longer than that. A long here. time. <laughs> and I just wanted to give a shout out to black rifle coffee. Oh yes. Thank you. So they, they uh, supplied, they gave me a very steep discount. They couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't donate to me to donate to you, right. but I went and told them who I am, what I'm doing. It's the black rifle that I go to a lot. And they gave me a very steep discount That's to awesome. provide AFMA with Thank coffee you. for the firehouses. I will distribute them appropriately. Awesome. And I, I really, I just, I cannot thank you enough for coming oh, down here. Thanks. No, thanks for having me. I, I Like I said, it's about making connections. It's yeah. about getting the word out, you know, supporting firefighters, right? Supporting public safety. And, and the more we can reach people and get some understanding, the better off all of us are going to be. What is, let me ask you this again. You said you've given me an hour and 45 minutes of your time. What is something that you would want the public to comprehend and understand about the firefighter position wow gosh there's so many things at, at the end of the day every firefighter is just there to serve you and it's about service to the public and being there for you but when we ask for your help and your support we just hope that you'll you'll give it back so vote yes on those bonds <laughs> please vote yes on those bonds but also understand that when we when we come to people we're not we don't want to ask for money that's right. that's not our business you know we're we're very self-sufficient we're we're going to do more with less we've done it forever we don't want to ask for tax increases we we get it we're all suffering but at the end of the day we can't do our jobs without without the money and without the help so um when someone comes to you understand that it's it's not because we want some fancy new something we just 
want to do the best for you. You want a nice shiny, shiny new fire apparatus. <laughs> well, we'll keep it shiny. We'll keep it clean. We just want to be able to get to you safely. No. Ashley, thank you so freaking Absolutely. much for this. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate so, it. Yeah, and good luck to good you and especially with on this new position and everything. Thank so you. I think you're going to do awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. Awesome. It's a good time. Thank you. the entire podcast right. again so you gotta sit there and, and right, right. Yeah. not that i don't enjoy the conversations but again having adhd i don't want to do it uh my son turned me on to an ai uh thing for premiere pro that does it Lovely. i mean does it does it That's awesome. yeah so then all i have to do is then i uh then i set it to like double speed yeah and there will be parts will it'll go you me you me you yeah. me you me then i just edit that out part real quick and then it's good to go so the hard part is, is that these pick up individual audio, yeah. but this is also the audio. Right. So I got to synchronize all that stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, couldn't you just export that without, it, without audio? It, it, Premiere Pro does it. Yeah. Oh, you, that's you, what I'm saying. Yeah. You yeah, put yeah, everything yeah. into it. You synchronize yeah. it all up. It's, it does it. That's all good to yeah. go. And then there might be like a couple millisecond delay. So then like right. your lips will yes. move and then it'll catch oh, up. Looping. Yes. That's frustrating. Yeah. So then I, so then I, again, that takes just a few months, but again, all of this has come from doing it just a few times. Yes. It's hard. Yeah. It's oh, the stuff is what takes forever. People don't realize content gathering and right. then editing. Right. It's not the creation so much. It's the gather and then the edits take, I, I mean, I could do a 14 second real and it'll take me two to three hours to edit easily <laughs> that's the the online content from a phone is very difficult for me because i i don't i don't like to do that yeah so well and i've used final cut pro for a lot of years too which is essentially right 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 Adobe, the comparable for apple um but i don't prefer it <laughs> i just don't i prefer to drag my finger across and gotcha. do things and stretch it and overlay different musics that maybe weren't all ready to get, you know, gotcha. like a little more of that. Well, and I'm still in my, so I have a severe back injury. I've got two yes. herniated discs in four places. I listened. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, thank you. On June 6th, I'm going in for a fusion, L4, L5S1 fusion. So that's exact. it's, it's 50, 50. Everyone I know says absolutely best thing. How many, how many people do you know in, in the fire department? Yeah. Yeah. But most of the firemen that I know are knee issues, no, firefighters, backs, backs, shoulders, knees, back, yeah. neck. I, so I've been dealing with this since 2017. Mm -hmm. I had one microdiscectomy and then I'm doing it again. And the biggest thing for me, though, is that, like I said, I have a very, very autistic 10-year-old. Mm -hmm. And it's just been setting up care and providing for him. I would have done this years ago, of course. but it's yeah. just very, very difficult. Yeah. So Challenging. I'm looking forward to being a whole human again. And oh, I'm sure. <laughs> pain is the worst. It's it is. Just, it's debilitating on all levels. It Even is. when you're having a good day, you're always having a bad day. That's a that's a very fair way to put it. Yeah. So, and again, this is the the only thing I do that where I sit the longest. So I gotta like prepare for stay. it. Some yeah, but you know, it's not. I would do it if it if it makes you more comfortable. You're gonna have a better show. True. So if you're like, hey, I'm going to stand for a little bit because I got a back thing, no one's going to be like, oh, why are True. you standing? Okay. True. I get it. I, I'm learning. And again, we're, I'm, I'm still early in my content creation yeah. because I'm not a creative person. 
Okay. So I can sit and talk. Well, that's creative. Yeah, I can have the conversations, but I definitely do want to evolve. Be an editor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I I want to evolve into because um, I'm I'm a cannabis based podcast, sure. but I really really have an affinity for the the first responder side. Yeah. And well, I really obviously. right for so, obvious reasons. And I want to show that side. Yeah. So I want to get out, but again, I'm I'm limited because of my I was involved in an accident in August, mm-hmm. and since then I've been on downward spiral. So, but once I'm, I'm a hundred percent, that's where I plan on hitting. And that's why I, I bought GoPro so sure. I can go out and yeah. film stuff outside yeah. and, you know, and I want to do a ride along with, um, the Pinal County's anti-smuggling unit. Yeah. So they got some really cool things. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Got to plans. You have to have goals. I want to go here. Then I want to go here. Yep. Then I wanna, you know, cause otherwise I had someone reach out to me on Instagram this morning and he was like, show a screenshot of his demographics on on instagram okay he's like i only have 13 percent women it's all fire base like apparel gotcha and he goes any insight as to why this might be and i'm like he goes 13 percent seems low for the fire service for women and i go it's nine percent i I was gonna say yeah nine so no that's you're actually above the average but um i'm like well what's your goal and he goes to increase my following. I go, that's not a goal. Right. That's way too broad. You really need to, you can have long-term goals. I want 10,000 followers right. by this point or, you know, but what are your short-term goals right. in the interim? Like by June, you want 5,000 by, you know, or you want X amount of products sold. Like you can't just willy nilly be posting. You have to have a reason. So people, but Everyone that gets started just gets started because they're right. engaged and excited and want to, but they don't recognize the, the pro- there's a process. Right. You know? To be successful. And it's tedious and time-consuming and exhausting and frustrating and all of the things you're going to hit your head on, you know? So, um, yeah, it's good. You've got, like, very specific, I want to do these things. That, and that's what it has been. And, that's, and again, I own the space. Right. I, there's no former law enforcement talking about cannabis yeah. and talking about all the stuff. Like, yeah. and the the way I've equated it is that I want to show the humanity I, for the cannabis community. I want to show the first responder law enforcement side. Obviously, I'm law enforcement heavy, so the law enforcement side. And for the first responders, I want to show the humanity of the cannabis side sure. of the house. I have a friend that um, had horrible back injuries. He's had two surgeries, and he is a huge proponent of cannabis. Huge, and he's firefighter um he lives on the east side too he might be a good guest for that'd be awesome very eloquent and and knowledgeable in the air in the arena gotcha too like gotcha researched you know he's one of those people that you would vibe with yeah no that's cool that's and and there's there's a large number and i won't say which agency that i know personally that have their cards oh yeah and it's as i told you a lot of people have their cards yeah but it's all agency dependent. It's right. all very much like, well, what is the policy in my agency? Because it's still not federally okay. Right. And we're in safety sensitive positions. So what is your age? You know, we can talk about this on yeah. here, but like, what does your agency subscribe to? And what are your policies? Because we have to work within those, regardless of our own personal beliefs. Right. You know? The only thing I disagree with, though, is the fact that there's a difference between the firefighter side and the law enforcement side. But this regarding uh, the laws for usage, like your department, correct me if I'm wrong, your department could set their own rules independent of anything else, whereas like law enforcement has to follow post guidelines no matter what. I I 
won't tell you that I know because I'm not sure if NFPA has specific laws regarding it or guided not laws because we don't have laws but, understood but guidances right. um or statutes or things of that nature i don't know i know my former department what it read i'm not well versed in the new my new department's policy gotcha um but i talked to my chief this morning and i was like hey i haven't got a chance to run this by you i'm gonna go do this do you are, want me to go as AFMA? do you want me to go as blue helmet like i'll do whatever he's like this is a conversation that needs to be had he goes we can't keep not having these conversations awesome about about things that will help us why do we want to go to opioids all the time we know the crisis right and he told me a story and i'll talk about this on here but you know he so i've heard a story where a guy was having surgery two surgeons that he saw recommended that he used cannabis instead of opioids. They said, we're not, we don't want to prescribe them. We know what the crisis is. We'd rather you do medical marijuana than take that. Um, he went to his chief and said, this is what my surgeon said. And they said, the policy is very clear that you cannot use it. You're in a safety sensitive position. So they ended up having to give him opioids, even though. That sucks. Right? That sucks. Like, whoa. You have doctors that are so progressive that right and there is, so yeah. understanding yeah. of the landscape that that's where they prefer to go. Yeah. So over here, we're yelling, this is an opioid crisis, this is an opioid crisis. we got to stop this. We get, we've got to make doctors more accountable, blah, blah, blah. And over here, medical marijuana is legal. And you have a doctor saying, yes, I'd prefer for you to use it. Why is this crisis medication okay, but this isn't when they're both legal? Bureaucracy. Well, money. Money. Um, at the Unfortunately. The but at then at the point is, like, this is just another tool in the yep. toolbox for PTSD, for pain, for sleep, for all the things that we see plaguing firefighters and, and law enforcement. First, first responders. First responders, first responders yeah. Um, and people in general, really, right. but certainly in our line of work, we're seeing that PTSD and that trauma just compounding over time. And even more so in the retiree age group. Oh, I'm sure. Now they lose their identity and they've never dealt with the PTSD and they don't have any tools because what have we done? Said, we can't talk about that. We can't talk about that. We can't bring that up. We can't use those solutions as, as evidence for what you should or could be doing right. to make this better for yourself. Instead, we're going to pretend like nothing's happening. Suck it up, buttercup. You'll be fine. And then they have no identity. They have no tools. And they're left to their own just dismay. It's I'm, I'm upset that the mentality that you have is now and not when I was in because I suffered from all this stuff and I didn't know it. Right. We should probably go on. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm so like, yeah, no, it's very refreshing. So, all right, let me. Yeah, let's do the thing so that <laughs> we really capture it the way you want. Yeah, no, perfect. All right, let me know how your volume is, if you need me to turn it up or turn it down or anything. You and then if me. you look, there's the large MXL. Yes. As long as you're focused or pointing at that. As long as I'm focused or pointing yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I always, and again, and I understand that you have done this before and all that type of stuff. And I always no, tell people. they're all different. Well, it's like, I tell people to don't talk to me. Right. Talk to the microphone. Right. And so, but because a lot of people, they, you know, they try to, oh, they yeah. try to do this. Yeah. And so, then it's uncomfortably like in your space. Right. And they're not used to that either. Right. Which is understandable. Perfect. How's that volume? Yeah, okay. Yeah. You tell me. 
So sometimes I'll you'll, tell me. Yeah, you, oh, sometimes I'll <laughs> I'll move stuff and this and that. So I do always forget to do one thing, okay. and I even wrote myself a big ass clap. Yes. Why are we clapping? So you ever seen in the movies where they use a little thing? Oh, All right, take, take whatever. One. What that does that syncs the audio and the video up because on the audio mm. it'll give us because again these the pick looping. up their own audio, right, right. but it gives a spike. Oh. So that you because when we're talking, you know, you just see yeah. the little waveforms sure. and it's hard to line up. But when you do a, a clap, it goes up. Oh, up. I see so. what you're saying. That gives you that obvious break in yes. the audio. Yes. Makes so sense. here we go. I always forget. And we're good. <laughs>